We've been in a series here at Abba's House leading us towards Resurrection Day. And the series is called More. You can see behind me the graphic that says more. We started out defining what the more life, zoe in the Greek, it means a life of abundance, a life that transcends age to age. It has to do with the generational blessings that God has promised his children. Oh, it's the Zoe life. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. In the first week we conquered fear. And the next week we reminded you that you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And then we talked about the Passover meal and reminded you that it is indeed more than a meal. It is symbolic and it is spiritual. And last week we talked about Palm Sunday that there was more than what meets the eye going on on that special day. Our Savior came in riding a donkey. Ah, but he's coming back riding a horse. And at that time, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes, he came in on a lowly donkey, but he's coming back as righteous judge on a white horse. And every knee will bow. Not just some knees, every knee will bow. We serve a risen Savior, but we serve a righteous judge this morning. Today is the day that separates Jesus from all the other so-called deities. He was the man of sorrows that fulfilled over 300 prophecies in the way he led and the way he lived and the way he bled, the way he died and the way he got up out of the grave on the third day. He is king of all mountains. He is king of all kings. He loves us so very much and he lives within those of us that know him, those of us that are saved. I beg of you today to have the right perspective, to know who you are in Christ, to know that he loves you. Religion tells you that it's about what you do, but Jesus says, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Religion says you can't get to God unless you work hard. Jesus says, for it is by grace you've been saved. Religion says you've got to look a certain way, dress a certain way, act a certain way. Ah, but my Savior that died on the cross and got up out of that grave came for the least of these. He hung with tax collectors. He turned fishermen into preachers. He turned prostitutes into preachers. Oh, he hung with the worst of the worst. The only time he lost his temper was with religious people, with religious Pharisees. Oh, I'm thankful for a Jesus who could identify with every race, with every nation, with every man who came for sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Oh, Jesus was not only our risen Savior, he was a master communicator. You know, Jesus spoke in parables and the word Parable in the Greek is really consists of two words, para, which means to come alongside, and bowl means to throw. So Jesus would often tell a story, and he would throw a common theme along beside uh, truth from God's word and from his Father. Jesus would throw a story that would perplex the educated, the uneducated, the rich, poor, every race. It would often frustrate the Pharisees, but it would bring sinners unto him. That's the way Jesus operated. He knew how to speak to every person, no matter where they were in their relationship with God. Well, on one fine day in Luke 12, just 12 chapters before we hear of his resurrection, 400 years after Solomon, 
Jesus Christ is preaching. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 12 that they are gathered around him. Literally, they're thousands and they're, they're pushed up against each other. In fact, it even says people were injured. They wanted to hear from this Jesus in such a desperate way. But Jesus began to preach. And first he talked about the leaven that I taught you during the Passover. He was rebuking the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. He was rebuking the religious establishment. And he was talking about how all of their private sins and how they've judged others will, will come out eventually. This is also the text where he says, If you will not confess me in front of men, those of you who love me and serve me, I will not confess you in front of my Father. And Jesus Christ is in the midst of preaching the word. And all of the sudden, some special religious person, and we all have those kinds of people in our lives, we all have those goofy religious people who never seem to get it when we're trying to make a spiritual point or when the Holy Spirit's moving. You always have that one person that just simply does not get it. This one particular person, uh, as Jesus is preaching and he's laying it down, he just says, hey, Jesus, uh, can you get uh, my brother to share my father's estate with me? Jesus wasn't talking about money. He wasn't talking about those kinds of things. Jesus is just simply preaching about sin and the kingdom. And he's rebuking the Pharisees and he's into the gospel. But this particular person wasn't interested in the message of Jesus Christ or the ministry of Jesus in, uh, Christ. This particular person was interested in his own trinity, me, myself, and I. This person wanted to know what he could get out of the teachings of Jesus. This person wanted to know, hey, Jesus, can you fix my personal issues? Can you fix my money issue? This man had the wrong perspective, but it was a perspective that many kings of old, Nero and Nebuchadnezzar, and many presidents of years past have had uh, towards the things of this world. I want to say to you this Easter morning that there is more than this world has to offer you. This man in this parable was focused on what was his. This man was focused on what he could get out of the ministry of Jesus Christ. I want to say that many of us don't live with a resurrection perspective. Many of us don't understand that Jesus got out of the grave so we could live life to the fullest, so we would spend an eternity in heaven with him, but also so that we would embrace his kingdom in and of itself, so that we would do the greater works he said we would do. Jesus said greater works we will do, but yet many of us live a mundane and a routine life feeling like there is no power in us, there is no purpose for us, but Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. In fact, after Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead, he said, I am the resurrection and the life, which means I am the resurrection and I am the abundant life that transcends every generation. I am everything you need, all you ever will need, and in me is the fullness of the Godhead. Jesus was saying, listen, what I just did is something, but wait till you see what I'm going to do when I get up out of that grave on the third day. Wait till you see what I'm going to do through my disciples, through the New Testament church 
through my saints 2,000 years later that although we may be quarantined, we're still giving God some praise. We're still worshiping Jesus. People have said, Pastor Ronnie, what do you think about all of these rules and regulations? Oh, the gospel's not being hindered. The ministry's not being hindered. My church is ministering. My staff is ministering late into the night. We're helping people. We're preaching the gospel. Listen, I will not let any rules or regulations keep me from advancing God's kingdom or this church. Listen, the Bible says no weapon formed against us can prosper. So no matter where you are or what regulations they put on us, you should have hope. You need a resurrection perspective because there is more than what this world has to offer us. And if you read your Bible, you know that only a remnant of America will be uh, left during the end times. So don't put your hope even in this country. Your hope needs to be in Jesus Christ. Things will get worse before they will get better, but God's people will stand. God's people will survive. God's people will reign with him. And when Jesus comes back, we will walk in the victory that is ours. Somebody give God some praise wherever you are. But this man, in this particular parable, did not have the right focus at all. And Jesus goes in to a parable about a rich man. We can relate to this rich man. You know, I've, I've been at the deathbeds of many people, and I've never heard them talk about how many houses they owned. I've never heard them talk about their 401K. I've never heard them talk about how big of a business or a church that they built. What I have heard them talk about is they wish they would have spent more time with their children. Pastor Ronnie, can we make sure I'm saved? Can we make sure that I know Jesus? You know, it takes sometimes difficult circumstances for us to be brought to our knees and remember our Creator, Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But after this special person interrupts Jesus with this question, Jesus replies, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life, Zoe, is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm, Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 16. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. Then he said, I know what I'll do. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Isn't that the American way? I'm going to build bigger. I'm going to have more. I'm going to hoard more. Then I'll have room enough to store all of my weed and other goods. I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend. Notice this. He says my friend probably because he didn't have many real friends. He was a friend to himself because he had the wrong perspective. You see, a selfish person is a person with very few friends. And this person says, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Just chill. This man had the wrong perspective. His focus was on this world, not on the Lord. But God said to him, you fool. You fool, you will die this very night. In the King James, it says your soul 
will be required of you. Because when death comes, what you have is no longer relevant. What you have will not sustain you. Yes, he says in verse 21, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. A person who stores up himself wealth but does not have a rich relationship with God is a fool. This man is no different than many of us. He made some terrible mistakes. He had the wrong perspective. And the one thing I'm thankful for during this pandemic is a change in perspective. I've had Bible studies at my home for the first time in a long time, I'm ashamed to say. I have loved and honored my staff more than I have in the last year. I have worshiped God more and prayed more than I have. A pandemic or difficult circumstances have a way of bringing us back to our knees and it gives us the ability to gain the right focus under heaven. The Bible says, what, for what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What shall man give in exchange for his soul? So I want to list some things that this man missed out on. This man had the wrong perspective, and I want to give you some ways that this man fell short and the ways that you and I fall short. The first mistake I see in this text is this man thought he was God. He thought he was God. He was his own God. Anytime your focus is on this world, the cures of this world, the wealth of this world, the stuff of this world, the fear that's found in this world, you are putting yourself on God's throne. Because those of us that know Jesus, that he is King of kings and Lord of lords, that he is our risen Savior, we have a kingdom perspective, a heavenly perspective. The Bible says, set your mind on the things above in Colossians, not on earthly things. So those of us that know Jesus, we have to have a perspective of more. We realize that there is more than this world. So no, I'm not in a corner crying in a fetal position over COVID-19. I know that I'm guaranteed for heaven because when Jesus got up out of the grave, he left his spirit, the Holy Spirit, another comforter, a teacher here that might carry me and comfort me during difficult times. I want to tell you, there is comfort available to you this morning. But this man in this parable thought he was his own God. Listen to what the text says. What should I do with my crops? I will build bigger barns. I will sit back and drink and chill and be merry. I, 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 I'm my own friend. I'm the God of my own universe. I'm the God of my thoughts. I am my own God. I don't need God. He was not interested in the Trinity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. His Trinity, as I said, was me, myself, and I. Many of us, especially born in this free country, we're always focused on us and us and us. Oh, but God's calling us to a higher perspective in this season, a perspective that many of us have been lacking or that we've turned away from. God's calling us back to our knees. Throughout the scriptures, you can look at Nebuchadnezzar, you can look at Nero, you can look at the Roman gods, and you will always find the same characteristics. Even in King Solomon, even in Judas Iscariot, who sold out our Savior for 30 pieces of silver and sold him out to the chief priest. 
you will find this same diagnosis. People want a change in leadership. People feel just like Lucifer did in that other dimension. He said, listen, they're worshiping me. I'm the chief angel. I'm the worship leader. And pride caused Lucifer to fall. And that's why we fight this prince of the air today. But greater is Jesus that is in us than he that is in the world. We have the victory. We have the zoe, the more life, because Satan was defeated. It says in Colossians that when Jesus Christ died, he was made to be victorious over the cross, that he was triumphant over the cross, and he despised and defeated our enemies. We can live in victory this Easter Sunday because Jesus got out of the grave. He commissioned his disciples. He commissioned his church, and he is the resurrection, the life. But he sent his spirit into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. But he also sent his spirit into our hearts to quicken our mortal bodies so that we could live a resurrected life. God has called you to more this Sunday morning, more than what this world has to offer. I think of King Solomon. You know, God granted him wisdom, but at the end of his life, he's nearing death in Ecclesiastes 12. And he says, remember now your creator in the days of thy youth before the difficult days come and the years approach when you will say, I found no pleasure in them. Listen, if you read that entire text, and I don't have time to read it to you this morning, you will see that Solomon is describing the death process. He talks about his hair turning gray. He talks about his teeth falling out. Oh, y'all love my father's beautiful smile, but those are fake teeth. Those are veneers. You can buy those teeth. I'm telling you, Solomon talks about teeth falling out, hair turning gray, stooping over. He talks about a funeral procession in Ecclesiastes 12. And then he gets to the end of it and he says, Vanity of vanities, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. It's all been vanity. You see, Solomon had wisdom, but he thought he was his own God. Oh, he had 700 wives. I don't know, Lord, how he did that. I'm struggling with one this morning. I'm just kidding. I love you, Kelly. But I'm telling you, he had 700 wives. He had the wealth. He had the women. He had everything you could ever ask for on planet Earth. He had the best musicians. He, had, he built the temple. He had a legacy. He was living out under his father, David. But he gets to the point of death, and he realized that he missed it, that his life was lived in vain. He, he, he even says in Ecclesiastes 2, let me just paraphrase this for you. Solomon says, I, notice how many times he uses the word I here, just like the man in the parable. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and planted all kinds of fruit. I made reservoirs and I bought male and female slaves and I owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself. I amassed all of the treasure and the wealth of this world. I acquired the best singers, and I became greater by far, verse 9 of Ecclesiastes 2, than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. That's Solomon talking about his life. But what he didn't understand and what he missed is that we need a relationship with I am, with God with Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, a God that created all things and that where all things were found in him, a God that saved our soul, turned water to wine, who breathed his breath 
into the lives of sick people and they were healed. He went up to the man at the pool of Bethesda and he said, rise, pick up your bedroll and walk. And that man got up and he did it on the Sabbath. Jesus Christ is a miracle worker. Jesus Christ loves you. He is the King of kings and the fulfillment of every Hebrew prophecy. You are not your own God. You may not refer to yourself as God, but if you live without regard for a Savior and you live your life based on simply your fleshly needs, you are putting yourself in the position of our deity. Not only did this man think he was his own God, he thought, number two, his time was his. His time was his. He had stored up enough for years. Listen, he had it all figured out. He was going to hoard all of his goods, all of his wealth, and he was just going to chill. You know, there was a rap song when I came up called Baller, Shot Caller, 20-inch blades on the Impala. And there was another song called Big Pimpin'. Oh, I'm telling you, Solomon thought he was Big Pimpin'. This rich man in this parable thought he was Big Pimpin'. He had it all figured out. He wasn't going to serve anybody that was poor. He was going to lay back. He wasn't going to be generous. He was going to hoard it all. He was going to eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, tonight your soul is required of you. Tonight you will die, you fool. My goodness. Some of us think we've got it all figured out. We've put our faith and trust in a stock market that's fallen 24 times since our nation was founded. It bounces like a yo-yo and we save and we wonder what we can grab to feel good. Oh, Jesus calls us fools. And this is not a message against wealth. God gives us the ability to create wealth. There's nothing wrong with wealth unless wealth has you. The same perspective can be found in poor people as well as rich people because Sometimes we long for what we need for the moment. Whenever you push God out of your life and you grab what's yours, what feels good, and you don't acknowledge God in your day-to-day -day living, you, my friend, have missed it. But this man thought his time was his. He thought he had more time. Jeremiah 10, verse 23 says this, O oh Lord, I know the way of a man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. First John 2 verse 17. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And as I told you, Solomon says at the end of his life, dying after amassing a large amount of wealth, he says, remember now. If you have breath in your lungs, remember now your creator. Ah, he thought he was his own God. He thought time was his but number three he thought his stuff would satisfy this rich man in this parable thought his stuff would satisfy oh, I'm telling you you don't need another car another house another boat you don't need another bank account friend what you need is Jesus Jesus is the only thing that will satisfy your soul his resurrection's not a nursery rhyme it is the truth of God's word. It was recorded in history. It changed humanity. The disciples witnessed it. 
500 people saw him ascend and he has promised to come back for his church and I'm telling you this morning this same risen Savior is coming back but your stuff will not satisfy your stuff will not carry you from eternity to eternity you can rack up all the stuff you want you can brag on it oh but I'm telling you the moment you die unless you have Jesus in your heart there's nothing different about you than the person who's on the street so you better this Easter Sunday make Jesus the Lord of your life first Timothy chapter 6 verse 17 says this command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or arrogant nor to trust in uncertain riches but in the living God he's called the living God because he got up out of the grave who gives us richly all things to enjoy even during this holy week we remember Judas he was the treasure contrary to popular belief they took offerings they had money and Judas was in charge of the money and Judas started looking at that money and he started going hmm I'm managing this money pretty well miracles are happening oh my goodness water's being turned into wine blind people are getting healed foods getting multiplied and we're we're taking in good offerings and Judas said oh, I think I can do this better I, I think we need a change in the current leadership and Judas went to the chief priest and sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver he thought that 30 pieces of silver would satisfy I want to tell you this Easter Sunday that silver won't satisfy gold won't satisfy fleshly urges won't satisfy another hit of that needle won't satisfy oh I'm telling you only thing that will satisfy is the presence of the risen Savior our Lord Jesus Christ you need a relationship with him he longs for one with you but I'm here begging of you this morning to make Jesus the Lord of your life but he thought silver would satisfy he thought his stuff would satisfy all oh, the reason we had a Protestant Reformation is because the Catholic Church was selling indulgences to the wealthy Martin Luther took a stand against it but basically what they were saying is listen if you have wealth if you're rich you can buy your way out of any sin you commit we're gonna have an upper echelon uh, that was no different than the Pharisees Jesus was rebuking in this text they knew all the rules but didn't live by them they knew how to scorn sinful women who'd been caught in adultery but they themselves was having uh, adulterous affairs you know they believed that when the Pharisees wanted to stone the woman caught in adultery many believed that when Jesus wrote in the sand he, he, he started writing the names of the men who were about to stone her and their concubines their mistresses and that's why they backed off oh I'm telling you Jesus knows it all you might have this world fooled but you can't fool Jesus he knows where you are he knows your faults and he knows your perspective and I want to tell you there is more than what this world has to offer there is more than fear because we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus there is more to this life than just me 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 let me get what's mine 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 let me brag on myself Oh, the God I serve said deny yourself pick up your cross and follow after me Oh, the God I serve says those who are considered last will be first the God I serve says that come to me all you ye who labor and heavy laden and I'll give you rest the God I serve came for sinners and came for the underdogs and the outcasts and he's still calling unto us today saying come to me Jesus loves us so much the Bible says that he gave his life for us for God so loved the world that he gave his life 
for us. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm telling you, Jesus loves us with an everlasting love. His love never fails. He loves us so much. As I said, the only time he got frustrated was with religious people. He loves you so very much. And even though he said, Father, let this cup pass, Oh, but he realized he had to go through judgment so that we could live free and fully alive. Oh, and he said, into my hand, into your hands I commit my spirit, Father. After leading the thief on the cross to paradise, he, he committed his spirit. Oh, but on the third day, he got up out of that grave. Mary Magdalene, thank God for women in ministry, shows up. The angel came down and said, why do you seek the living among the dead? Oh, that's what I'm talking about this morning. Many of us seek the living among what God has already pronounced dead. We're looking for the more life, the Zoe life, in a world, in a nation that God has already pronounced dead. The only way you can have the Zoe life is to accept Jesus Christ, to be filled with his Holy Spirit, to walk after him in the fullness. Oh, I'm telling you, many of us live our lives seeking what God has pronounced dead. Oh, but we need to seek the one who got up out of the grave. His name is Jesus, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end, Christ, our comforter, our deliverer, our everlasting Father, the great I am, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. He is more than enough, and because of him, we are more than conquerors. His love never fails. He is always on time. He is powerful. He is quiet, but he's also loud. He is our resurrected Savior. We can trust him. He understands what you're going through. He can make a way out of no way. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. I'm talking about my king. He's the king of all kings. He's the king of my soul. He's the king of this church. He is the king of America, but he's the king of every continent. He, there was no election. He's still king. God is still on the throne. Do not fear, my friend. Just don't have a worldly perspective. There's more to this world than what it has to offer. There's more, and that more can be found in Jesus the fourth mistake this man in the parable made was he thought wisdom was found in wealth. The same thing as King Solomon of old and in Judas. He thought that 30 pieces of silver would suffice, would satisfy. Solomon thought all the things that he had accomplished, even religious things, would satisfy. But he comes to the end of his life and says, look, I missed it. I missed it. I've fallen short. I don't want you to get to the end of your life with regrets. Sure, we've all sinned, we all make mistakes, but I mean, I don't want you to regret not embracing the more life, not embracing the one that can give you more, Jesus, Yeshua, King of kings and Lord of lords. Solomon would often talk about works being done under the sun and a chasing of the wind. You know, you chase after worldly pleasures and what feels good and makes you smile. And we all do that, it's natural in the flesh, but Solomon realized that his life and the work he did under the sun was just a chasing of the wind and it was all vanity, meaningless. If you want your life to have true meaning from heaven, it's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's found in his grace, his glory, and it's found in generosity. It's when you lay your life down at the feet of Jesus, you pick up your cross and you follow after him. The fifth mistake that this man made 
The first one was that he thought he was God. He thought time was his. He thought stuff would satisfy. He thought wisdom, number four, was found in wealth. But the fifth and final mistake this man in the parable made was he thought here was there. He thought here was there. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus didn't come to preach five steps to Christ, the sinner's prayer, to be a Baptist, Church of God, Pentecostal, Catholic. He didn't come to start a religion. He came to bring a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The message Jesus preached more than any other was repent, the kingdom of heaven is hand. We don't worship human presidents, dictators, leaders. We worship the king of all kings because he brought about a kingdom. It has its own form of government. The local church is an embassy, and 2 Corinthians says we are ambassadors, which means we represent the homeland. When there is an embassy in another country, it represents the homeland. They don't look like they are from the place where the embassy is. As Christians, we don't look like everybody else. We don't act like everybody else. doesn't mean we're perfect little angels. We're not. But there's something on the inside of us, the hero within, that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead that lets us know we've been adopted, that we've been bought with a price, that we've been chosen by an almighty God. We are different because we serve a king, and he has given us a kingdom to advance. And I want to challenge you don't be like this rich fool don't be like Solomon was don't be like Judas was don't sell Jesus out in your lifetime don't turn your back on God during dark seasons understand that here is not there the Bible says Jesus Christ is coming back and the dead in Christ will rise and will be caught up with him in the air and we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years and we'll spend an eternity in heaven with Jesus. Oh, I'm telling you, life is but a vapor. It's just a moment. Have a godly perspective. Have a resurrection perspective and understand that here is not there. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. And if Christ is not risen, if Jesus didn't get up out of the grave, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, those who have already died, have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Jesus Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now, everybody say now wherever you are, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Oh, this rich man was lost. He was without purpose. He was without the right perspective, but today you can have purpose, perspective, but most of all, you can have peace in your heart. You can have everything that the rich man, the fool, didn't have. You can have everything that you need to make it through this life without fear and to spend an eternity in heaven with Jesus. Oh, but as I said, this is not just about those who have wealth. Wealth in and of itself is not a sin. There was a beggar at the gate called Beautiful in, in Acts, and he was begging for money. And Peter and John walked by, and remember what they said, silver or gold I do not have. But the Lord says, rise, walk, you will live free and fully alive. Let me tell you, sometimes you don't need silver or gold. You need 
faith in Jesus Christ. This man was begging for money. Same perspective as the rich man. He was poor and begging, but he was simply wanting enough to get by. I'm telling you, God wants us to have more. God wants you to have more. And it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. This man missed it. He didn't have purpose. He didn't have peace. He had the wrong mindset, motivation, and motives. Oh, but I'm telling you, Jesus Christ will change your mind. He'll change your motives. He'll give you purpose, and he'll give you peace. That's what he came for. You need to understand that God loves you with an everlasting love this Easter. But you also need to understand that you are mortal. The Bible says everyone has a time. They are appointed to death. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just being real. We don't know when Jesus is coming back, and we don't know when we'll take our last breath, but we can have the right perspective till that day comes. You need to understand that unless Jesus comes back first, one day you're going to die. I want you to be sure and to know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is your Savior before that day comes for you. You are special. God created you, and he loves you so much. You were created to serve him and worship him. Why don't you start that today? Why don't you become a worshiper? If you need Jesus Christ in your life, this risen Savior we are celebrating this morning, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer from the book of Romans that will help you confess your sins and to confess Jesus as your Savior. It's not the words of this prayer, it's the nature of your heart. The Bible says repent, which means to change your mind. It says not only to repent, you have to confess. Acknowledge you're a sinner like the rest of us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin separates us from God. Believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and you shall be saved. And it says confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. If you need Jesus in your heart, I want you to bow your heads wherever you are. And I'm going to pray for all the saved saints in a moment. But if you need Jesus and you're lost and you've had the wrong perspective and you want more than what this world has to offer, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. That's right, Dear Lord Jesus. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I believe you got up out of the grave on the third day. I believe you got up out of the grave on the third day. I confess you as my Savior. I confess you as my Savior. Come into my heart and fill me with your Spirit. Come into my heart. Save me and fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to text the word journey. J-O-U-R-N-E-Y. Text the word journey. Right now, don't wait to 555-888. If you prayed to receive Jesus Christ, to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ, text the word journey to 555-888. If you are sick, like so many in our church and struggling, I want you to email me at prayer at abbashouse.com. I personally pray for every prayer request. But I want to pray for those of you who are sick and struggling. We've had members lose loved ones in this season. I'm remembering the Snyders this morning, the Dunnigans this morning, and so many others, the Macaulay family, and so many others that are silent and they don't want me to mention them publicly. 
but I am praying for my members and the people in this region who are sick. And if you need prayer this morning, remember that he came that we may have life and have it more abundantly, that he is Jehovah Ropa, he is our healer, and God wants to heal you, and you need to confess that. Uh, because healing is what he offers us. That's part of the more life. Absolutely it is, because if you don't get healed on this side of earth, you'll be healed in glory with a resurrected body. It says there are no more sorrows, no more tears, no more pain, streets of gold. There is an eternity waiting on you. So before we sing over you, I want to pray for all who are sick or struggling. Heavenly Father, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for getting up out of the grave victorious. Thank you for sending us your Holy Spirit. Lord, our comforter, our deliverer, our fire, our, po our power. Lord, thank you for sending us your Holy Spirit to comfort us during difficult times. Lord, we're thankful that Holy Spirit gives us resurrection power. That gives us power to make a way out of no way to continue to fight in this battle we are in. But Lord, we love you and we worship you. Now, Lord, I know that many are watching who are sick, who are struggling. Lord, I ask you to send your angels to wherever they are and, and heal them right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that that same Spirit that raised you from the dead, Lord, would be with the people of Abba's house and those who are watching around the world. Lord, that you'd heal them emotionally, physically. Lord, heal them. Give them abundance. Give them the more life. Give them an, a vision to advance your kingdom. Let us all have a resurrection perspective this season. May we not be focused on what this world has to offer. May the ceiling be removed. And us, like John on the island of Patmos, get a glimpse of glory and be caught up in the third heaven. May we celebrate the fact that there is more. That there is more. In Jesus' name.